Swivel. Hey guys, I'm Jaden. I wear many hats. I'm a mum, hairdresser, business owner, wife, and now podcast host too. I couldn't do all this without my village, so I bring in people from my own mum village to help me co-host. As always, we have my on-air producer Lauren here to keep us on topic. Hi everyone, I'm Lauren and I'm a journalist helping Jaden to research the topics that she talks about. I'm also a mother to a two-year-old and I'm also pregnant again, so we've got plenty in common. We sure do, and anyone can be a part of the Mummy Village we're creating. It doesn't get any more real than this. We share the good, the bad, the absolute shit and the funny parts when it comes to parenting and we want to include you. So join us for another episode this week on Mummy Village. Today we're going to be talking about postnatal depression, but before we get into that, let's debrief about the week. Lauren, do you have a parenting high and low for me this week? Yes, I do have a couple of things to share with you, Jaden. We'll start with the high because it was pretty cute, actually. We travelled back to my husband's hometown because his grandfather was turning 100. 100 which years is old. an amazing milestone, 100, yes. That's and amazing. My, my son, Finnan, got to see him again and it was adorable because he loved him. And we used to go and see him quite often and it was really great to see him again. Oh, that's so Yeah, special. it was beautiful. It was lovely. That's and it. we also organised for some old tractors to be parked outside where we had the function because Ross was a farmer. Of course he was, And Lauren. so, yeah, of course he was. <laughs> <laughs> what else? So was this on a farm? Like whereabouts was this? So this was held in Tumby Bay, which is where Ross lives. But where is that? Is that like a- farmland or...? Yeah, like it's a small rural town surrounded by farmland on the Eyre Peninsula in South Australia, where that is. have no idea, but it sounds lush. (laughs) Some of our listeners may know. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a really beautiful spot and it was really great to go back and see everyone and, yeah, Finn saw his grandparents again and all of Mitchell's, my husband's aunties and uncles and extended family. It was great. That's a really good high. I like that high. Do you have a low Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hit me with that. (laughs) I've got a low for you. So while we were over there, we went down to Port Lincoln for the day just to get some jobs done and run some errands and this, that and the other. And we're in a little gift shop. I had Mitchell holding on to Finnan for me so he doesn't come and pull everything off the shelves and break anything. Finnan started to get a bit sick of it and flopped down to the ground while Mitchell was still holding his arm. And all of a sudden he bursts out crying and we're going, what is going on? This is really unusual for you. Like, yeah, you occasionally crack a tanty, but this cry was like a I'm hurt cry. Oh, no. And we're like, it's okay, bud. It's not the end of the world. And then we leave the shop and we're walking and he isn't moving his arm much. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, gosh. What have we gotten into here? So I take his shirt off. I'm like looking at his arm. It's a little bit red. And I'm like. I think we have to go to hospital. Are you joking? We've got to check that it's not broken. Like he's not moving it. He seems to be like really in pain when I'm touching it. So off we pop to the emergency department. And how far is this emergency department? No, we were. (laughs) It's not as far. We were in Port Lincoln. So we were right there. Jeez, thank God for that. We were like a two minute drive from the hospital. So we popped up to the emergency department. 
And yeah, he had what they call a pulled elbow, which is kind of like, it's it's a little bit like a dislocation. Oh, you reckon? Um, yeah. And so <laughs> the nurse practitioner who was there, he took one look at Finnan, who was sitting up at the counter yeah. as we were getting checked in and everything. And he's like, yeah, I know what that is. I did too yesterday. <laughs> so, Just casually. What's going on in rural South Australia? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently it's really common. I had no idea this thing existed. It's really common in children under six. Yeah. And it's called a pulled elbow. So they will suddenly flop down to the ground or get lifted up by their arms yeah. or something like that. And their elbow will like actually dislocate and they just won't use it. So... Within seconds, he massaged it back in and he was using it again within a minute and it was fine. But I was just so thankful it wasn't broken (laughs) because I was like, that is the last thing we need right now while we are traveling. So that was my low. Oh, my um, God. First the peanut allergy. Now, poor Finnan. (laughs) Dead set. I know. (laughs) I don't know what's happening. but So, like. Being so far away from the hospital in your hometown, I just need to ask this question because mm-hmm. it's been on my mind. Are you worried having you're having another boy, right? Yes. They can be quite, yep. I was going to try and say rambunctious, <laughs> but I can't <laughs> say the word, but really like rough. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you're going to have more trips to the hospital. Now you're going to have two boys, especially living on a farm. <laughs> And they climb trees. They probably climb on lambs. I don't know where they're climbing, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, there hasn't been any attempt of climbing on sheep yet, but it will probably happen at some point. At some point. Um, I mean, if I was a little boy yeah, on a farm, I'd probably want to climb on a sheep, probably a lot more other things. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, I haven't really thought about it because Finn and, like, yes, he's a boy, but I would say he's quite gentle-natured Yeah, okay. and has been so far, and he was also really slow to learn to climb and stuff like that, oh, so I've nice. never been hugely worried about him. So I'm really hoping. Oh, Lauren, let me tell you <laughs> Number something. Number two. <laughs> let me tell you. Hate to be the bearer of bad news, but Georgia, my first, was angelic. She tricked us. And then yeah. in comes Tornado Pitbull Maria, my second. <laughs> and she's like, what's that word? Rambunctious or whatever that word is. She <laughs> Rambunctious. That one. She is yep. three times that. And I often say to my husband, I'm telling you, I knew, I thought I was having a boy. And I say to Georgia all the time, you tricked us. You really tricked us. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm not holding my breath, that's for sure. But Enjoy your time with Finnan. Really soak it in. I'll try. I'll try. What about you? Have you got a high and a low? I really, really do. I'll start with my low because it comes into my high. So my low this week has been watching my grandfather get really, really unwell and he had a triple A, which is an aneurysm, and they basically said to us that he's got a couple of weeks to live and it will rupture or he has surgery and he could not survive it or he could survive it and he could be worse than what he was before he got into surgery. So like there was no win-win for us in that situation. Mm -hmm. So we spent every single waking hour with him, just like really enjoying his company and creating memories and bless George's little heart, my daughter. She was like, 
is Papua okay? And Papua's grandfather in Greek. And she's like, is Papua yeah. okay, mummy? Is he okay? Does he need anything? And she's three years old. And I'm like, no, he just needs to be around us. And my grandfather's like, I have a heart like a lion. I'll be okay. And so <laughs> lo and behold, we opted for the surgery. He wanted to do the surgery. And the weirdest thing is saying goodbye to someone, not knowing whether you're going to see them again. And there's mm, a record. they're right there. They're right there. It seems so, yeah. And he looked amazing. Them, you know. <laughs> and he's like, you're acting like I'm dead. Like, I'm, I'll see you when I get out. Like, it's all good. <laughs> so yeah. that was our low, like really feeling that anxiety and that fear of abandonment came knowing. up for me again. And, okay. and the having to let go and lose someone I love. Because your grandfather is basically your dad yeah. as well. Yeah. So I was like a sixth <laughs> child to them. So, yeah, he's like my father. I love him to pieces. So that was my low. But then mm-hmm. my high was him coming out of surgery, acing it like a champion that he is. <laughs> of course. Okay. They told us it would, be, it would be four hour surgery, but it was two hour surgery. And it comes back to mummy village, like, He had a village around him. His nurses and doctors said the love that you guys have for him really nursed him back to health. Mm. You guys Mm. really gave him strength and he's at home recovering and he's just killing it. It's an absolute miracle that he is here and I'm not taking it for granted. It's really put in perspective quite a lot of things, what's important, what's really not important. It's pretty amazing. So it's so interesting to me just how important it is to have your family or your people or your village around you because Mm. our producer Amanda came across this research and I'll read it out to you because I can't say it off the cuff, but it says research has linked social isolation and loneliness to higher risks of physical and mental conditions, including high blood pressure, heart disease, a weakened immune system, depression, cognitive decline, Alzheimer's disease, and even death. That's wild. Wow. And I I totally, totally believe that because we as a family see a difference in my grandparents when we're around them to when we're not. I just want to like, sorry, like for people that don't know, like we've obviously got like a schedule that we follow, like with the podcast. and Like a rough script. Yeah, it's like a rough script. And... (laughs) We've got like just so we stay on track, Jaden. Well, that's right because I always tend to get off track. Hence, why I'm saying this now. Like, I just need to fill this in. So it's like Lauren's list of toddler meltdowns for the week. We wouldn't fill his cup with tomato sauce. He wanted to wear shoes too big for him, and I wouldn't let him. His baby Chino was too foamy. Yep, (laughs) that's pure gold. Because what? Yep, the shoe thing (laughs) was me with my youngest Maria this week as well. She would not give up. She wanted specific shoes and I wouldn't let her wear them because it was freezing cold. The baby Chino was too foamy. That's cold. Yeah. Well, because he was trying to sip it. He was trying to sip it and he couldn't. There was no milk. There was too much foam. <laughs> just such a privileged child, isn't he? Honestly. <laughs> that he has this sort of thing to complain about. You just, you can't help but laugh at this stuff. And there are so many situations. This is just the stuff that I remembered to write down. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh. All right, should we get into the topic for yes. the week? All righty. So it's a pretty full-on one. It's postnatal depression, mm-hmm. as Jaden. But I think it's important to talk about, especially because in episode one we talked about 
prenatal depression. And Jaden, you've also had personal experience with postnatal too. So I think it's only fair we share a little bit about your story. Mm. Did you want to tell us how it all began? Yeah, so I was very high risk for postnatal depression given my past anxiety and I always knew that I was really high risk. So I thought that I was really overwhelmed and not myself but was told by my health team it was baby blues and to come back in six weeks to reassess. And my obstetrician was like, look, you probably need to check in with Beck, who is my psychiatrist just to see whether she thinks it's baby blues or whatever's going on is going on. So I went and saw my psychiatrist and she was like, look, I just don't want to medicate you right now. I just feel like we've got a few more hurdles to go through before I can actually say that you've got postnatal. It was around five months that I remember Stelios going back to work, like in the office and Mm -hmm. I was home on my own and I was feeling so confident. I remember the day, like I was like, yep, I'm going to walk to my mum's and I walked all the way. I actually have a Instagram photo of me being like, woohoo, we made it. Like I'm yeah. super mom. So no one had any idea what was going on with me and how incredible that was that I actually did that on my own and how scared I was that the pollution was going to go onto the blanket and got home, had a really good day, thought that I won for the day, put her down to bed went and had a shower, got out of the shower. She woke up. I felt fresh as a daisy. She started profusely crying. Colic hit in. Yeah. I was scared because I was on my own for the first time ever with her without any visitors, nothing, because I was like, no, everyone, I'm okay, I'm okay. And she wouldn't stop crying and then all of a sudden she vomited all over me again. And I was like, are you f***ing kidding me? Like I just, yeah. I went from a really peaceful state to fear and mm-hmm. and anxiety. And to calm her down, I took her out on our balcony and we lived on a main road. And I remember being on the balcony and like just going, shh, 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 shh. it's okay, it's okay, mommy's got you, like mommy's got you, you're safe, you're safe, it's okay, it's okay. But also trying to tell myself that I'm safe because I was so scared. And I just had this vision of just throwing her off the balcony and throwing myself off. And I got so scared, I quickly ran inside, locked the door because I did not know what I was capable of doing, Lauren. I was petrified. And I remember calling Stelios and saying, please come home. I just had a vision of throwing her off the balcony. She has not stopped crying. I don't know what I'm capable of doing. I'm scared. I've never, ever felt this way. You need to come home. And it was at that moment that I was like, this is not baby blues. I'm not myself. I want to harm my child and myself. I can't keep going on like this. And for me, I had a girlfriend come over the next day And I said to her, like, I had this thought of, like, throwing her off the balcony and myself. And she's like, what? And she looked at me with such judgment in her eyes. And she wasn't a mum. She's a mum now. But she wasn't a mum at the time. And I remember feeling so small 
and so ashamed that one, I had even shared that and two, Mm. the judgment that came from her. And I thought, I'm not sharing that with anyone. So did you just, did you then go straight to your therapist? Yeah. So I made an appointment straight away with my psychiatrist. She booked me in straight away. I saw her and Mm -hmm. she's like, let's talk medication. I know you don't want to go down that route. And it's not that I'm against medication. I think it's there to help and I'm all for it. But it was just like another thing to add to my list of things. Yeah. So when you spoke to your psychiatrist about what happened, how did that go? What did she say? Yeah, she said, I think we've passed the blue, the baby blues. <laughs> yeah, you're suffering from postnatal. And I was like, but so far after I've had Georgia, like just, what do you mean? Like how? And she's like, yeah, it can happen. Like in the first 12 months, you're at high risk of having postnatal. I thought it happened like straight away within the first six weeks, within the first three months or she said the intrusive thoughts and the anxiety and like how I said before the, I was anxious about the pollution going on the blanket. That's, mm-hmm. that's anxiety. Like, Cause it's almost like an, an unnecessary worry. So when I told Beck that I wanted to throw G off the balcony, she was like, it's normal for 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 postnatal depression. Those invasive thoughts are more common yeah. than not. So that made me feel a sense of, oh, okay, so this is normal. For someone suffering from postnatal depression, it is super normal. And and they're the types of thoughts and things that can go through your mind. And they're one of the big red flags of postnatal depression. But I think the main thing that Rebecca was trying to see, whether it was postnatal baby blues, was like, am I just getting really emotional because I've got my milk coming in and there's a lot of hormones going on? Or am I suffering postnatal, which is the invasive thoughts, it's the high level of anxiety, the no sleeping, the checking on the breathing 24-7, like all of that was coming up. So I guess I had a lot of that just without the invasive thoughts. And then when the invasive thoughts came, she was like, we need to just bring down the anxiety and we need to medicate. Lauren, maybe you can help me out here with the stats. (laughs) Like I think one in five women suffer from postnatal depression. Yeah, it's, and it's one in 10 dads. Yeah. And it's one in 10 dads, which is incredible, right? And mm-hmm. I just think it can sometimes get missed or some people just go, oh, well, I had that thought, but it's okay. Like I'm okay today. And it's like, well, it's okay not to be okay. I always go back to that. It's okay not to be okay. I did not want to have another one of those thoughts without any yeah. help because I was genuinely scared. And that's what Rebecca said to me, my psychiatrist. She said, it's normal that you were scared because that's not you. You would never harm your child. So the fact that yeah. you had fear around that is a good thing. So she just helped me yeah. feel a bit more normal. So she started me on 10 milligrams of citalopram, which is used for anxiety. And she moved me to 20 milligrams and I've stayed on that. I was only supposed to be on it for six months, but if I'm being honest, I'm a bit scared to come off it. <laughs> So so I did come off it for Maria, like to conceive Maria, but then we had a really good plan in place Mm -hmm. for my postnatal and all that jazz with Maria. Well, 
yeah, that's what I was also going to ask you eventually when we got to this was what was your experience with your second Maria? Because you've spoken about your pregnancy and that it was much better. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I mean, within three. Postnatally, you were okay? Yeah, I mean, within two, three weeks of taking the medication, I started to feel a lift and a shift. And I started to enjoy. Okay, great. I started to enjoy motherhood a little bit more because I really was not yep. enjoying it at all. I was like, this is shit. <laughs> like people glorify being a mom. With Stelios, my husband, I was like, okay, if we're going to try for a second, we need to get our ducks in a row. I mm-hmm. checked in with Rebecca, my psychiatrist, and I said, we want to try for a second. She's like, okay, what do you want to do about medication? Because this is safe for you to be on, but there are risks. And I said, mm-hmm. no, it's going to add anxiety to me if something happens to my child. I'm going to blame myself. I just want to come off them. And she said, okay, no problem. So came off them, conceived Maria, and then went back on them a week before I was due to have her because I was trying for a VBAC just to help with the anxiety anxiety. and to help with the postnatal. Well, yeah. And I also didn't want to bring Maria into a home and then Mm -hmm. fall down the rabbit hole of postnatal again, and then not be there yeah. for Georgia and Maria. So yeah. it was a very different experience and I just felt more prepared. So I didn't get any postnatal with Maria. I didn't get any prenatal with her. That's great. And then when I got to the six-week mark with like with Beck and she's like, look, I think you're doing really well. I had no invasive, mm-hmm. intrusive thoughts. I My anxiety was really good. So I highly recommend to anyone that's listening Surround yourself with really good people that you trust and that mm-hmm. you can be 100% with mm-hmm. and that will hold you in the times that you don't feel you can hold yourself. Get some professional help. It's not scary. And reach out. Also, if you've got a journal, diarize everything that you're going through because if you can't actually talk about what you're going through, you're able to hand that journal over to that psychologist and say, this is what's been going on for me. And that's something that they can just go, oh, okay, well, let's touch on this. And before you're having this session that you, one, probably didn't even want to go to in the first place, and two, you end up walking out going, oh, I feel like the weight has just lifted off my shoulders. It can be really hard to vocalise exactly what you've gone through that week. and Totally. If baby brain is anything to go by, your mind can just go blank and you're just like, wait, did I have a good week or did I have a bad week? What did I do today? And... (laughs) So writing it down is a really good idea. Yeah, I just, I would highly recommend anyone listening, if you can relate to anything that I've said, it's worth having an outsider to chat to and just check in with. Yeah, and there's no shame in going on medication. I think I had someone ask me not long ago, are you still on medication? And I was really taken aback by the question. Yeah. And I was Mm. like... Why am I taken aback by it? This is my life. This is what's helping me. Yes. Yes, I am still on medication. And what? I'm not a failure for it. I'm very open about my story, as you can all see and hear. (laughs) So it's also okay to be private, which is what I'm learning. I'm actually trying to learn that as a boundary of mine because I lack in boundaries, Lauren. And But, I mean, private doesn't mean keeping it all bottled up and keeping it right. It just might have that that one person or those two people that you can really confide in. And that's that's all totally. you need. For you, you've got a big family and you were pretty open uh, with friends and family. 
Yeah. Um, but not everyone will be like that and that's okay. But Look, yeah. it's quality over quantity. If you can find that's that right. one good friend that is your family and your bestest friend in the world, you are far more richer than most. Yeah, the way we've learned to be mothers <laughs> We think we do have to do it all on our own and we're in our own homes. Mm. It's this expectation that we just instantly must know what we're doing and we can do it and we're being sent home with a tiny little baby like two days after giving birth. I had a midwife say to me, I remember going, I'm so scared. Like what if I don't know what I'm going to do? Like, what? what Oh, it will all come to you, love. When you have that baby, it will all come to you. And I remember thinking it will all come to me, love kidding me it's a child I'm fully responsible (laughs) for this child (laughs) yeah yeah and I think if you're experiencing any of what we just mentioned please talk to someone about it dm us Mm -hmm. get on our Mm -hmm. socials write into us if you have a story that you would like to share that you think we haven't touched on this episode write to us we want to hear you and there are so many wonderful resources out there as well so you can visit the perinatal anxiety and depression australia website which is panda so that's panda.org.au and also gidget foundation has some wonderful resources on their website so visit gidgetfoundation.org.au and we're also going to have some additional information about postnatal depression and anxiety on our website at mummyvillage.co or you can follow the link in our bio on instagram at mummyvillagepod I'm going to list some of the things I did when I had postnatal that helped me get through the day and helped me get back on my feet. Okay, well, I think we've gone over lots of information here, so I think we should bring in our expert for the week. Do you think, Jaden? I think so. So we thought it would be amazing to talk about Gidget Foundation, which is something very, very close to my heart. Gidget Foundation offer free psychological counselling services for expecting new parents. And I used Gidget House when I was suffering postnatal depression with my first child, Georgia. Today, we are very excited to introduce their program clinician, Amelia Walker, who is going to chat to us about the foundation and perinatal mental health. Welcome to the show, Amelia. It's so nice to have you. I'm so grateful you could join us. Well, it's very lovely of you to invite me to come here on behalf of Gidget Foundation, Jaden. Thank you. Yeah, it's amazing. And can you explain to us, Amelia, what is Gidget Foundation and what does it do? Sure. So Gidget Foundation is a not-for-profit and we support parents experiencing perinatal depression and anxiety. So that perinatal period is the period from conception through the first 12 months of parenthood. And can you explain, like, what services does Gidget offer? Yeah, so we offer free psychological services, either face-to-face in one of our Gidget houses or via our Start Talking program, which is all telehealth, and that's across the whole of Australia. And we also have different services that we also encompass. So we offer an emotional well-being program within certain private hospitals. And we've also got our Gidget Virtual Villages, so a Facebook group for mums, a Facebook group for expectant mums, and then a Facebook group also for dads, Gidget Virtual Village for dads. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that you guys have all these different avenues. So for some of our listeners, they may be a bit confused by it. Do you mind giving us a little bit of an intro 
on the difference between a psychologist, a psychiatrist and a counsellor? Yeah, it's so confusing, isn't it? I completely understand that question because it's something that a lot of people do ask. So I guess one way to sort of view it from the outside is really that a psychologist and a psychiatrist work within a medical model. And so the difference between those two is that a psychologist will provide talking therapy using evidence-based modalities. So sitting with a client and working with them potentially diagnosing. So they may find that there is a diagnosis they can give their client. And then they work with the symptoms of that diagnosis to help the client understand them and to manage them and ultimately treat them. Where a psychiatrist comes in is that a psychiatrist can prescribe and manage medication. So a psychologist might work with a client and say, look, I feel like my client could really benefit from some medication alongside the work we're doing. And their a counsellor is different in that they're not, they're not within a medical model. So they might use some of the same modalities, but they don't diagnose. A counsellor might work more with life transitions, grief, loss, trauma, but not necessarily with a, with a diagnostic framework. What are some common symptoms that we see in people suffering from perinatal depression and anxiety? It's a great question. In this particular period, often the anxieties are quite clearly associated with our relationship with our little one or how we're feeling about ourselves as a parent. But as a general view, you might notice in someone that if they're quite anxious, they might be a bit restless. They may not be able to sleep well. You might notice that they're very fidgety or complain of having sweaty palms or that their heart's racing. We know that there's sleeplessness during this period. It's very challenging. But for an anxious parent, it's the inability, I guess, to feel that you can rest when your baby is resting. And they might also feel like, and and this is something that parents often feel they can't express to their friends or family, but someone may be having quite intrusive thoughts. And that's really not uncommon. 80% of people will have intrusive thoughts and they can feel terrifying. And they're the sorts of things that we might think that are so awful or overwhelming or impossible to sort of consider. So if someone does feel uncomfortable with that, we will work with them. If someone doesn't feel uncomfortable with these really intrusive thoughts, that's when we might consider having a look at a, a more acute service. And then with depression, we might just notice that their energy levels are really different. They may not attend things in the same way. They might be very tearful. They might stop engaging in the activities that they used to find enjoyable. And for men and women, these feelings can differ as well. So we notice that a lot of men might come to our service having been to their GP about six months postpartum is common. And they might have gone to their GP saying, I'm having constant headaches or I've got this really uncomfortable gut ache or I can't concentrate at work. So they're really noticing these physical symptoms and that's what takes them to the GP. Whereas generally a female client may be more inclined to notice the emotional responses that they're having day to day or be more worried about their relationship with their little one and that's what might take them to seek support. Yeah, that's very interesting. It's almost like their body is telling them that they need to do something. And so what do you do if you recognize some of these symptoms in your partner or your friend or a loved one? It's really difficult to be a support person of someone who's experiencing mental health challenges, isn't it? Because we can feel so 
lost ourselves and it can be very daunting and quite scary because we can feel like we've really lost them. So because of that, I think really just gently trying to reconnect, really creating time and space for that person because they may not be recognizing things at the rate you are but they also might be so sort of confronted by the stigma of these difficult feelings that can really prevent people from feeling like they can speak up so we want to create space so offering consistent support maybe like if it's a girlfriend we might want to just say Every Tuesday at 11, I'm going to drop over, I'm going to bring us a coffee and we'll just sit in the sun. And so there's this sort of consistency where over time they may feel that they can then start sharing. You might even just gently share your own experience without the expectation of them having to look after you, but more as an invitation to say, look, I don't know about you, but I found the first few months a lot harder than I expected and I found it really hard to tell anyone And I just want you to know that, like, there's no right way about this. And all I needed at the time was someone to say it's okay and that there's space to talk. So if you need that, let me give that to you. Just like creating like an honest kind of opportunity to share. Are there any trends that you see in people who use your services? So, for example, are there more younger or older mums or dads that come in looking for help? Are there more mums than dads? What are you seeing? The service has expanded a lot over a short period of time. And with that, I guess what we really notice is just the the great diversity of parents who come to seek our service. And And I guess that speaks very much to the fact that this is a mental health condition that just doesn't discriminate. So there is no socioeconomic, there is no cultural, gendered aspect to this. But because of stigma it is more likely that the birthing parent will come and seek service as opposed to a dad or a non-birthing parent because there is still this gap in the other partner being able to sort of feel like they can reach out potentially. So my question for you, which I really want to get more attention on, is like how many fathers reach out to you? And to your service. It's such an important point because, of course, the mental health of one person in the family will impact the whole family. But at this time as well, it's like we are looking at a whole family unit. So there's no way that each of those people won't be impacted by this extraordinary transition. And so the statistic is that one in five mums and one in 10 dads will experience perinatal depression or anxiety. And that 50% of Australian parents will experience adjustment disorder. So we're talking about a lot of people, 100,000 Australians a year. So what we're noticing at Gidget, and just to Lauren's point a bit earlier, I guess in terms of the types of people that are reaching out, we are getting more dads because I think the word is getting out there that this is not a discriminatory mental health. It, It can impact anyone. Can we just go back to what you just mentioned with adjustment disorder quickly. Can you just explain what that looks like? Yeah, well, I mean, we're looking at a period where this is a massive time of transition. And so what we're looking at are people who are having to re-navigate their identity, essentially. If someone has always been the breadwinner or their career has been the forefront of their mind or 
they're the supportive partner. You throw a third, fourth, however many little ones into that mix and everyone's identity gets changed. And there's a sort of suggestion that I guess as a birthing partner, we might have to mature and adjust more quickly because there are physical demands, there are the immediacy of bringing a child into the world and then trying to work out how we're going to feed and all of those things. We sort of are thrown in, and so that in itself can be really difficult, but we are also called to mature really quickly, whereas the non-birthing partner might be maturing at a different rate at that period of time. That's really interesting. And I think a lot of people can relate to that internally or externally. And Amelia, what happens when someone may not be able to access your services, such as due to financial or other reasons? Yeah, well, we're so very, very fortunate at Gidget Foundation to be able to use better access, which is provided by Medicare. So for all clients with a GP referral and a mental health care plan, they can access up to 10 free sessions a year. We have sort of three sessions initially to assess that we're definitely the right service for someone. And then that first part of the mental health plan is six sessions that are completely covered by Medicare and then a further GP referral for any more sessions. If someone can't access Medicare because they're not an Australian citizen, for example, we have some funding that's available, which we're very fortunate to have, which can mean that we can support those parents and ensure that they too can get free support. And being national now, even pre-COVID, we offered telehealth. So we were already established with a telehealth service, and that is for regional and rural parents or anyone that's sort of 20 kilometres away from a Gidget house where they can come face-to-face. That's fantastic because I live in a rural area and I didn't know that. And that's great as well that you have been able to expand with telehealth and offer more. That's that's the goal, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was 2018 we launched our Start Talking program, which just meant that suddenly people who were not able to access support could. I and mean, we had incredible stories of parents or families who were traveling in a caravan across Australia and at no point were they unable to get our support. We could see them and imagine having a newborn in a caravan, traveling across the street, like people are extraordinary. And it was just wonderful to know that we could make sure they got support where they needed it. And I think we touched on it a little bit, but we were talking about how, you know, we have this expectation of what parenthood should be. Do you think that plays into parents' mental health when perhaps they're not meeting those expectations that they have of themselves? Definitely. And and the, the expectations of parenthood are such a significant aspect to what people might come to us for originally. They might be feeling like they're not meeting those expectations. And what we try and do is sort of have a look at where they might have come from, those expectations. So they might be internal, they might be cultural, they might be from our family of origin, they may be from our partner. And we might also be really challenged by the fact that our partner isn't meeting our expectations. That can be really difficult. We have a picture in our minds of what parenthood's going to look like for ourselves and what our partner's going to bring to the table. And in all likelihood, those expectations are just not going to be matched because they're generally impossible or tied in with a whole lot of preconceived notions. So 
I think, yeah, really looking at our expectations of ourselves, talking to our partner before the little one comes along. Like we talk about, I don't know what kind of pram we're going to buy, but we don't talk about finances. We don't talk how we're going to feel about not working anymore totally. or how we're going to feel about our partner bring, being the sole breadwinner and what that's going to do to us. Like how do we navigate totally. that? What's some, of, what's some advice that you could give our listeners that you think would be really great for them to hear if they are struggling right now that's positive and that can make them feel a little bit supported? It's a very important way to finish a discussion about mental health, isn't it? Yeah, um, really. The advice that I would want to impart from Gidget Foundation is that you're not alone. As a parent, we can feel so isolated, but you are not alone. And if you are struggling with mental health in this period, it is temporary, it is treatable, and we can work to support you and, and with the right kind of support and space things will transition and there is hope. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> I love that. There is lots of hope. When I look back, I go, God, that felt like I was never going to get out of that. But today here I am able to interview you and, and get stories out there to help other people to just go, shit, I'm really not alone. And, and it's okay to feel this way. You might feel really alone and you might have a village around you, but it will get better. Mm. It does. It really does. Mm. I'm so grateful for you coming yeah, on. Yeah, thank you so yeah. much for taking the time to speak to us. It's a really important topic and we want to get it right. We really appreciate you coming on and talking about it. Thank you very much for inviting me to come and chat to you guys and we'd love to anytime. And thank you so much for what you do for Gidget Foundation as well and for getting the word out there and creating that village because that is key. At the end of the day, community yeah. is key. Thank you. I, When I had prenatal, postnatal and emergency caesarean with Georgia, my first, I created an online hamper business called Made for Mums that puts together like practical hampers for mums. So they're not your glorious, beautiful hampers, but they're really practical. And I teamed up with Gidget Foundation to donate $5 every hamper towards them because I just wanted to get the name out there because I didn't know about them until right at the end of my pregnancy. So my whole thing with Made for Mums was putting these hampers together and also putting in some information about Gidget House Foundation and all that kind of stuff because it's such an important organisation. Like you heard it from Amelia herself, 10 free sessions. I just love that they're just solely focused on perinatal. Because a lot of people probably don't know that you also have this other <laughs> aspect to you, Jaden, where yeah. you have your hamper business. What's What are in the hampers? So there's booby bickies in there. There's, oh, this is brilliant. There's a hot and cold pack for the vagina because it's painful and I had super dupers down there and let me tell you, that is not pleasant. You keep it in the freezer after you have a baby, you whack it on the JJ and you're good to go. So I've got perfume that's all made out of biodegradable packaging and all natural ingredients so you can still feel a bit human. I've got non-alcoholic champagne and tequila because Everyone wants to be included and not feel excluded. 
I have nipple shields exactly. that were my best friend. Yeah. So just stuff like that. that and I really wanted to make the hamper <laughs> so. business about the mum and not so much about the bub. Like I do have some bub stuff, mm. but it's really about the mum mm-hmm. and, and really nurturing and supporting the mum. I really want to get out there to all of our listeners and everyone following Mummy Village. Like, please reach out to Gidget Foundation. That's why we got them on the podcast. That's why they're plastered all over Made for Moms. They're plastered all over Mummy Village. Like, they're a free service. And you heard it from Amelia herself. Reach out. It really does take a village and you don't need to do it on your own. Like there are people, there are professionals. There's so many ways to go about getting help and that's I think what we want to get across is that y- you shouldn't feel like you just have to suffer yeah, in your or that your like you yours should. isn't as big. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Even if you just go to your GP to begin with and talk yeah. to them or your midwife, far out. There's so many people what to talk about this. Some people um, you know. going to the GP is too much for them. Like I've been in that state where I'm like that's right. even making an appointment is too much, like it's too hard. If that's too mm. hard for you and that mm-hmm. feels really overwhelming, get on your phone or get on a laptop, look up the services, send them an email, reach yeah. out to them. Even if you just want to read some resources on their website, Absolutely. on the Gidget Foundation website, just to get your head around yeah. things, do that. That's fine. That's a start. It's more, yeah. Can I just say like for everyone that's that's tuned in and listened to this episode, if you have been triggered or anything has come up for you, please go to our website, website. where you will find all the resources. If you have any personal questions or if I can shed some light on my personal journey that you've really related to and you want a bit more information that I haven't covered in this episode with Lauren, please reach out to me. DM me. I'm creating this podcast to create a village for you. We're here. You're not alone. We love you. You're enough and you're doing an amazing job. If you like today's episode, please consider subscribing to us on your favorite listening app. Subscribing will also help remind you when our next episode drops and we can't wait to share with you what we have for episode four. Next week, we've also got a special little guest joining us, my three-year-old, who is going to give me a live performance review on my parenting skills. So tune in for that because who knows what she's going to say about me. I'm Jaden. And I'm Lauren. And you've been listening to the Mummy Village podcast. Remember, we love you. And don't worry, we've all forgotten to bath our kids before. Bye. Bye.